Thursday, August 27, 2020, you are listening to the Inquisitive Bro podcast. Today, we're discussing the NHL second round. But first, there's only one Canadian team left in the playoffs. We'll discuss the offseason outlooks for those that didn't make it. I'm Chris. He's Karn. Let's go. Okay, so after some uh, trials and tribulations, finally been able to get my good friend Karn Rye onto the podcast. Karn, how you doing? I'm good. Chris, how you doing? Doing all right. So the NHL is in the second round right now, but before we get into these matchups, let's just talk about the shit show that is the Canadian teams, specifically the Leafs, Oilers, Flames, and some of the other teams that uh, didn't perform as well as uh, their management or their fans had hoped. I've been saying always next year for the Leafs for the last, uh, I think, uh, what, 15 years now? Well, it's so, been it's actually been always next year since 67. That, very true. <laughs> and uh, growing up, there'd always be older gentlemen telling me, why are you a Leafs fan? You're just going to keep losing. And I'd say, don't worry, next year. Because you're a masochist, aren't we all? <laughs> um, okay, well, let's just like start with the Leafs. And full disclosure to the listeners out there, um, Karn and I are both Leafs fans, but we're going to try to uh keep it objective but first let's just spew some venom because both of us are pretty displeased with how this ended up (laughs) karn do you want to go first or what do you got to say about this team i think uh this this series was just the microcosm of what the leafs are i totally agree it was just one of those things where moving into it you finally have a different uh, opponent than the boston bruins you have the columbus blue jackets it's the bubble. There's no fans. There's no media. There's there's nothing going on. It we're all stuck in a bubble, so there's no excuses for uh, too much pressure on these players. Well, exactly. There's- Actually, just to jump on that point, you're right. A lot of a common excuse that you hear in uh, uh, Toronto and um, this media market is that is there too much media surrounding these kids? Is there too much pressure? Well, they're not there. So strike that off the uh, the old excuses list. Two, um, you're not facing the big bad Bruins. In fact, this is the first series of this uh, core of this team where you could legitimately say that they were the favorite. They should have won, and they didn't. And in fact, they they played down to their opponent. That's something that they've done throughout um, this uh, this recent iteration of the team. And you just had this uh, right before COVID hit. Uh, the Leafs were they were kind of just like one win, one loss type of team. They couldn't get this role going. But right before uh, the NHL kind of uh, went on their little hiatus, they were starting to get in a role a little bit. So you, you thought that perhaps this team was going to have a fresh start. Matthews is, you know, a little bit older. Nylander's a little bit older. You're four months later. You're playing that playoff game. Even that first game they played uh, – back into the hockey season. They played really well. Yeah. I mean, they steamrolled Montreal, and you would have thought that was a good harbinger for things to come. I mean, you would not have thought that a week later, Montreal was beating Pittsburgh and Toronto was losing to Columbus. But you make a good point in that, yes, we were on a good roll after we fired Babcock and um, we hired Keefe. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily all just Keefe because I think we were due for some... Uh, regression to the mean positively but it's also just a straight up fact that under Keefe we were the highest scoring team in the NHL the only problem is we 
can't get it out of her own net either. Yeah, do you remember uh, what was going around the team at that time? Oh, Tyson Berry is about to get unleashed. Austin Matthews is about to get unleashed. Austin Matthews is playing about 18 minutes per game at that time under Babcock. Keith is going to push him up into the 20s. He's gonna, he's just gonna perform lights out, which he did. But then Tyson Berry, same thing, and he scored those. Uh, what was it? How many goals did he score in the first like four games after Keith got? I think hired? he scored two or got like four points in four games. Spoiler alert: um, Tyson Berry did not get unleashed. In fact, Tyson Berry just generally had a terrible, terrible season. Austin Matthews, I suppose, did get unleashed in the sense I think he's just he's obviously our best player. So I mean, I. I could coach Austin Matthews and just say, hey, kid, go out there and score close to 45 goals if he stays healthy. I think he's just good for that every year. Yeah, that's not coaching. That's just God-given talent. Yeah, I agree. But uh, when Keith got in, there, there were some statements made by the Leafs players like, oh, this is this is how the true team is going to be moving forward. Mm-hmm. We're going to play in an aggressive style. We're going to score more goals. That was kind of the aura around the team at that time. Mm-hmm. So you thought some changes were going to happen. This team is going to start playing the way we all envisioned mm-hmm. that they could play. Then you go into Columbus, first playoff game. You play well. The Leafs played well. And you don't score a goal. Well, so there's two things on that that I want to say. is One, um, the changes that Keith made, like a very noticeable uh, change they made for all Leafs fans or hockey fans that will watch the Leafs will notice is that we completely changed to a possession-style game. A lot of uh, back passes, and instead of dumping it in, we were often skating it in the zone, which, I mean, players like, for example, William Nylander excel at very well. Um, but despite like the stylistic change, that didn't change the fact that we still lack a very key factor in hockey that I think our front office maybe um, is devaluing, or frankly, their advanced analytics can't really calculate, and it wouldn't surprise me. And that is literally just competitiveness. I yep. think... When it comes to the playoffs, you're not getting as many calls, and you can't be as fancy. Where are the dirty goals? Where are the guys going in the corners? And the answer is, there's no one. We don't have that. And I don't want to put that on the core because the core four, so to speak, are supposed to be skilled players, but it comes down to the rest of the roster, which is deeply, deeply flawed. Um, I mean, obviously, people want to see linear progression with the Leafs because when you start with the first year... Uh, Austin, Mitch's, and, well, Willie's, like, first year together. Um, And they made the playoffs. First round exit against Washington. Expected. But they were exciting. And we had a good cast with Kadri, JVR, Bozak, and all those guys. Remnants from a previous generation of uh, um, failed Leafs teams. But obviously those guys have left because we've had to sign um, our young guys to new contracts. And now what's happened is our team is, this is the worst team we've had in four years. It's not linear progression right now. We are going down. We now have to buttress, uh, to use a Great very... Word. love that word. <laughs> yeah, to use a word that is almost never used. Um, we have to buttress our uh, core four with good depth pieces, and we don't have them. Yeah, we, we, re- we have to rely on Kerfoot. Talk about a very disappointing uh, return. This is some. I guess we'll just get into this now. And this is also relevant for the Oilers, which we'll get into discussion there later, which is that when you have these high-priced forwards that eat up a disproportionate percentage of your cap, and also doesn't help that with COVID that there's going to be a flat cap uh, going forward, your um, room for error as a general manager and as a management group 
is reduced significantly. You need to be able to find good depth pieces at good value to be able to prop up your high price stars. The Leafs failed to do that. And the Kerfoot-Tyson-Berry trade was a complete disaster. That's a real black mark for uh, uh, Kyle Dubas, who I think generally is doing a good job and I believe in him. But that is a bad, bad look. Now, Kapanen, the Kapanen trade, I'd like your opinion on that, but I personally think that was actually a pretty good trade. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, look, Kapanen was costing us $3 million, and we're going to move forward with a flat cap. We're getting a first-round pick back. That's, you kind of tack it on to that Patrick Marlowe deal. You know, you get that back there. Yeah, that was definitely very important. Yeah, and uh, even uh, Philip uh, Hollander seems like he could play a role in the NHL. So you get a prospect that has a chance of making it to the show. So that's, you know, that's always a good sign. And it just gives us the ability to move around and figure some things out to to address that uh, depth need. Because obviously, Kerfoot wasn't working. Even, I, I wanted to see a little bit more out of Makayev. He started off so well. And if you read... I mean, if you read Sportsnet or TSN, I mean, it's basically Leaf Central over there. I mean, a lot of the Canadian listeners will know. They barely talk about any other hockey teams other than puff pieces. But you'd find that they talk about Mikheyev in the sense like, oh my God, his 5-on-5 numbers for uh, the first half of the season when he was healthy were really good when he was playing with Tavares. Then obviously he got his uh, wrist lacerated. And I don't know how much stock you can take in when he came back because he wasn't that good in the playoffs in the uh, five he was games. Uh, training camp uh, MVP, so I thought he was going to come out just right. killing it. Uh, who are the who are the defensemen on his team versus the opposing Leafs team? Because if he was getting like Cody Cece as the top pair, <laughs> then yeah, I could be MVP for that. Probably not actually, but close. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's that's where the Leafs' shortfalls were apparent is with those guys. Like, not even looking at the big four, obviously. Marner didn't play as well as he should have. That that was clear to me. He played very uninspiring. I mean, just in generally general, the team. One thing that the uh, front office spoke about at length is the uh, the idea that this team was quote unquote resilient. Well, they weren't really resilient at all. I mean, they really they would come after losing three games in a row. They might come back with a good game, but no. Like when the chips were down. So often, they just played soft. And I hate to use it, but I think ultimately we are... This iteration of the team was a soft team, which is why I'm happy that we we move off higher-priced depth forwards that didn't do anything like Kapanen. Like, Kapanen did nothing for us this year. Just fast. That's it. He is, to use a basketball analogy, because I know you're a basketball fan, he is the Jeff Green of the NHL. Oh, He's yeah. got very, very noticeable, loud... Uh, physical gifts and skills. Mm-hmm. And any team that from afar is like, oh my god, like look at that guy. Raw Skate, skill, yeah, raw skill. Hard shot, which always flies the over tools, the top. Cr- <laughs> tools, no toolbox. Tools. Yeah, no that's, toolbox. That's what it is. He's he's the type of guy that he'll speed down the left wing and just shoot it at the goalie's chest or miss the net, and it'll just ricochet yeah. around to your own net. Yeah. So. He was, I would he was be. I guy. would celebrate him if he hit the chest. Often he would just speed down and rifle it right over the crossbar. But, but then he would get that breakaway, big short-handed goal, and everyone would be like, "I love Kapanen," and that's what he was. It's such a love-hate relationship with him. And even like uh, against the Washington Capitals that first year, we made the playoffs with this uh, new squad. Yeah, that when, goal and double overtime. Those well, are the that type was of that was Brian Boyle though. Yeah, very true. But uh, Kapanen was starting to get a little bit of yeah. a. 
you know, like he he won it for Finland as mm-hmm. well in, in in OT for the World Juniors, <laughs> things like that. He started he started getting like this love relationship with some fans because he showed these skills and he had these big moments. Even against the Bruins, he scored some big goals. But just the other times, the other times, he just wasn't apparent. He was invisible in this series completely. This is the thing about youth, right? It's promising. It's fun. It's like a you're like a new toy when you're young. But where's the consistency? That's important in hockey. Day-to-day basis. What are you giving me? What do I know that you're going to provide? Kapanen is the type of guy that every 10th day is going to provide an amazing highlight. And you're like, oh my God, Cappy. Like, what a great play. But then in those nine games, you don't even notice him, right? And unfortunately, that's the situation with a lot of the least players that are not the core four. Um, And then it comes down to a pure assetization of the players. I mean, you talk people like maybe trade Janssen. Well, Janssen has no trade value. Yeah. He has no trade value right now. Um, He had a terrible year this year, and he's very suspect because he doesn't come with that first-round pedigree, and he's older than Kapanen, even though I think skill-wise, him and Kapanen are probably not that far off. At least I haven't seen that much of a difference in their NHL careers. I think they're both 40-point guys. Yeah. Um... But Cappy just has that... Um, extra that, flair. Yeah, he just has that extra flair. He has one skill he's just completely elite at. And that's what makes people just, you know, love and enjoy to see him play. Because that speed, that's that's McDavid-like speed, right? Straight line speed, though. That's the problem. You and can't hands, do with and the also the hands can't keep up with it. Exactly. To finish off on Cappy, I suppose, like, in a hockey sense, he reminds me, and I wouldn't be the only one to say this, reminds me so much of Michael Grabner who also had a not-so-ceremonious time with the Leafs, and I would not be surprised if, like, a year later, Kapanen is also scoring, like, 28 goals (laughs) away from the um, Leafs. But still, I think it's a good trade. I think it's good to get off that money. You can reallocate it to different positions of need, a.k.a. defense. Um, But I guess this will lead me, then, to ask you, what other moves would you make if you were Kyle Dubas? I think one final point on Kapanen. Yeah, go for it. I just wanted to say... There's that one moment in the, in the series against Columbus where he had that semi-breakaway and he decided to pass it backwards. Or did he hold it and try to make it... I don't know what he did, but it was like a, it was a moment where, oh my God, Kapanen's going to score here. All of a sudden, he made it into a nothing play. And it was just like, that's the hockey IQ that Kapanen lacks and makes him so frustrated. Oh my God. he His decision-making is terrible. He shoots when you think he should pass and... At the moment where it's so obvious he should shoot, he's like, nah, I'm going to try to pass here. Yeah. And then moving into the next point, what should Dubis do? Right, because... You start, you start using that first-round pick and try to get some defense or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. It might be even Freddie, get a replacement for Freddie, right. whatever it is. What I'm really getting to then is, because, yeah, um, you see a lot of fans out there on the, the comment sections of, like, certain articles... Um, and what they're really yelling at is they want some big changes because obviously they're unhappy and they're talking about a Marner Nylander trade. My question is you to you is is that even worth it? At this point, I don't think it's worth it because because of the cap flatlining, there's very minimal suitors for Marner, for example. Mm-hmm. Ten ten point what is it, ten point eight? 
It's like 10.6. Yeah, 10.6, whatever I think he has his number in there as well. Yeah. You know how players like to get their number in there somewhere? Yeah, I think uh, Matthews is like 11.634. Yeah. So it might be something like that. But no one's going to be able to trade for Marner and give up anything great. It's not going to be draft picks because we're going to have to take on money, right? So Mm -hmm. I don't see Marner being a potential suitor for a lot of teams. I agree with you. Uh, Going back to the pure acetization of things, I mean, it's all well and good to yell and scream get rid of these underperforming forwards. I get that. Bad time to trade them. Um, exactly. And also, it's not about getting rid of them because what are you getting back? That's important, right? Are you going to get that stud defenseman? Is Columbus going to trade you Seth Jones? Probably not because those guys are really important. And the worst thing you can do is make a rush trade because your fans aren't happy. And next thing you mm. know, you end up with Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. And that's literally a worst case scenario. And then you're fired within a year and your team is terrible. Not terrible, but it's strapped for years on end. And like going to the Oilers, they could have used Taylor Hall the last few years. He would have been amazing for them. Mm-hmm. Adam Larson, not doing that much for him. Taylor Hall would be perfect for them, actually. Yeah. And, and I think this whole Marner situation showcases how bipolar the fan base is. There are so many people that are saying you got to sign Marner to any contract he wants. $11 million, give it to him. Or, no, we can't let him uh, sign an offer sheet. The best thing that could have happened to Marner with the Marner situation is if we let him sign an offer sheet and get four first-round picks. And use that $11 million to sign someone else, a defenseman, or it could even be Artemi Panarin. Well, the question is, who is giving up four first-round picks? Because, yeah, like, put it in this context. No it's one a, wanted to, but yeah. fans thought that it was going to... You, you remember last summer. It was, it was the talk of the town. Mm-hmm. Marner is going to get offer sheeted. I looked at it and said, there's no, no chance way. any team is going to do this. Look at, put it this way. like, Do you remember what it cost to get Phil Kessel to the Leafs? Mm-hmm. And also young electric winger? Two first-round picks. Four? I mean, like, yeah. come on. It's, it's Actually, the, that situation was weird because if we actually offer sheeted him, we would have gave up less. And we our trade actually made us add a first-round pick for some reason. Burke didn't. Burke was going through that whole Dustin Penner situation, didn't want to offer sheet anyone because it was against his, I guess, hockey morality. So he actually added to make it a trade instead of an offer sheet, which is weird. Huh. Fun fact there. Yeah, he... I mean, that's some, that's some hockey lore right there. <laughs> Berkey's just rage fest after he lost Dustin Penner, who really didn't end up doing anything else. In exactly. The, but he re- but Burke really liked Dustin's truculence. Yeah. Um, and he tried to bring that to Toronto, and it did not work. To uh, finish up on the Leafs, and we'll move to the Oilers. Um, but before I say anything, I suppose, like, I mean, Dubas has been very clear that um, he's not going to trade the core four, so it doesn't really matter what the fan base says. But there's kind of a juxtaposition between the the fan base because the team wants a skilled team. I feel like Toronto likes a blue-collar team. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the Raptors, for example. They don't lack competitiveness. They blue don't collar. lack heart. They may lack skill, but they've made up for it, and they, in fact, they won a championship for it, um, although they did have a lot of skill. But... If you look at that model and then you look at the Leafs, it's not the same. And I think fans really, really don't identify with it. I mean, there's a reason why fans loved Colton Orr and Fraser McLaren, even mm-hmm. though they sucked. Tom, I mean, Ty Domi is still beloved here. Yep. His son is like semi-beloved here, even though he plays on Montreal. 
Exactly. And when Dubis first came in, I thought to myself, I'm going to like this advanced stats thing. This uh, this young GM that's going to go and look at all these underlying statistics on these players, and he's going to figure it out. He's going to find things that maybe the eye test doesn't show us. Mm-hmm. But then after this series, when Dubis tells the media that Cody CC <laughs> and his underlying stats show that he's a good player. That makes me ma- makes me not want to be an advanced stats guy anymore. That <laughs> makes me want to become an eye test guy because that is a point for the eye test folk. Because Cody right. CC is clearly not a good hockey player. He's not a good defenseman. There's that uh, point in the series where he. Uh, took a, a one-timer or a slap shot from the point, and it literally went the worst shot I've ever seen in my life. No, no, I'm not kidding about that. We're talking about any any ho- any time I've ever played hockey in my life. I know exactly what you're talking about. When that was the game with the Leafs made that, the, obviously, the the heroic 3 nothing comeback, which was for nothing, as is the Leafs do. Like, make comebacks for no purpose, basically. Um, but I read this comment on Reddit where basically it's like, it's like, what the hell happened? And someone commented, like, Cody CeCe's shot was so bad, it ripped a hole through the space-time continuum and made the Leafs good. Just for a game, apparently, though. But, like, <laughs> it was so atrociously bad that you just have to, like, all you do is reference a bad Cody CeCe shot, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, on that Kyle Dubas point, though, one, the the postseason press conferences are, press conferences are all political. So I don't take much stock in anything he said about Cody Cece or Tyson Berry. You're not going to go up in front of the media and say, like, these guys fucking suck. Even though he may be thinking that. He did bring I really in, hope though. he's thinking that, though. He did bring Cody Cece in, though. He did. He brought in Cody Cece, though, to um, um, kind of replace the value that Nikita Zaitsev brought, and he only did it for one year. Basically, they, yeah, they signed for the same AAV, right? So I think he was just trying to uh, make a stopgap in between some of our... Um, defensive prospects. Unfortunately, I mean, one of them for Lilligren still isn't developing as we'd hoped. But um, I'll finish on the lease on this because, oh my God, we spent so much time on them. <laughs> um, Dubas was brought in because he was supposed to be an advanced analytics guy. Since it's a cap world, they've been using their financial might in their front office, their stats department, advanced analytics. It's time to... Show dividends for that. You can't have any more players where fans, even the most rudimentary fans, looking is like, hey, that guy sucks. Why is he on the ice? I mean, it's it's apparent. It's obvious. And yet he kept playing. It's time for fans to find like, oh, my God, I never heard of that guy. He's a seventh rounder or something or way out of Europe. And he's amazing. Like, look at Tampa Bay, who's in the second round playing Boston up 2-1. And... That is the team we're very clearly molding our team against, and we are not even close. Far. Yeah, we are very far. far. Speaking of another team that's far, the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid, pack your shit and come to Toronto because the Oilers are not doing anything. And what, we're four years into his career now? And is it, is it going on to five now? I think next season is fifth fifth year. No, it's his fifth year. It's his fifth year. It's now his fifth year. It's Dreisaitl's sixth year. Um, look, the Oilers have a lot of similarities to Leafs. Two high-priced forwards, except actually their forwards are better than ours. Um, they have two of the top five players in the league. 
maybe the top two, I mean, in any given year. Yeah. You have two Hart Trophy guys. Most times, the Art Ross winner is the Hart Trophy winner, and I think uh, Dreisaitl is the rightful uh, Hart winner this year. He's phenomenal. He's amazing. Um, And... (laughs) Like the Leafs, they have nothing to support them. I mean, Nuge is pretty good, but, I mean, actually, I brought up their, uh, here, let me bring up their their stats. Do you know who their fourth leading scorer is? No clue. Zach Cassian. <laughs> Chuck so, Lintz. Leon Dreisaitl had 110 points. Awesome. Connor McDavid, number two in the league, with 97 points. Sick. Ryan Nugent Hopkins like was third on their team, 61 points. You know, that's solid. Not what you want, by the way, not what you want with the former number one overall pick. But hey, like he's turned himself, he's pretty much a solid number two center these days, although he plays the wing sometimes too. Um, but Zach Cassian, fourth on their team, 34 freaking points. Like, that is not good enough. And I mean, then you got two defensemen, James Neal, 31 points. Like that's, they might have to buy him out. They may not. He, it's probably too long for them to buy him out. Um, Josh Archibald, Alex Chason, like, this team really doesn't have depth at all. And, like, not to mention, like, they really bungled the Andreas Athanasiu trade. Mm-hmm. Two second-round picks for a guy who gets two points. Mind you, they thought he'd play more games, but he also didn't do anything in the playoffs. And that goalie situation, yeah. signing Miko. Koiskinen was was a head scratcher to me. It was, but that was so. The thing is, that was the previous administration. I don't know what ownership is doing when they let Peter Shirelli, who was going to get fired, just make one more move. Where it's like, hey, let's just yeah, sign this to... goalie to multiple years, even though he's done, he's had no track record other than the few games he already played. But meet the new boss, same as the old boss. I hate to say it with uh, Holland, but. What the hell was that Zach Cassian uh, extension? That was right away terrible. And that's really, really going to hurt them. No one wants Zach Cassian. Edmonton probably doesn't even want Zach Cassian anymore. <laughs> I mean, they, they signed him to $3.2 million based on his stats that he basically got by playing with Connor McDavid. Yeah. Fucking, fucking newsflash. I could score 10 goals playing with Connor McDavid. I he th- is that good. Like, Edmonton's got to realize that you can get guys on minimum deals. Just put them next to Connor, on Connor's wing. Let him take care of it. You just keep your stick on the ice, drive to the net. Next thing you know, that puck is on your stick, and all you have to do is put in the open net. Kind of like what the, the Penguins do with Sidney Crosby. They right. usually, usually put two random guys on his line, like Pascal Dupuis would score like 25 yeah. goals on his, on his line. Exactly. Jake Gensel, 40 goals. Yeah. Although Jack, Jake Gensel is he, actually skilled. good. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> Imagine if the Edmonton Oilers actually got someone who's good on his line, other than obviously Dreisaitl, but that's not what you want. You would rather have um, Dreisaitl as the second center, and then you have that two-headed monster, but you would like to have two good lines, but they don't, and so they have a monster line. What, what would you say is... The, like, I'm trying to pinpoint what the Oilers' main issue is. But I look at it, and it's, it's depth, it's defense, it's goaltending. It's overall, they're just not a good team. I can tell you what their issue is. Their issue is years and years of poor management. I'm not going to put that on Ken Holland. Um, it's just, I mean, it starts with their owner and then goes down all the way. Like, I mean, Peter Shirelli, you can have an entire podcast, like two hours long, on just what a debacle that was. Signing Milan Lucic, 
you have to trade him for you have to trade him for anything. You have to trade him for James Neal, who's better than Milan Lucic, but still himself a problem contract wise. Um, they drafted poorly for years. Um, they have Connor McDavid, yes, but that was something that fell into their laps. No one was going to miss that. Where are their second round picks that have turned into something? Where are their third round picks that have turned into something? That is how you create a good organization. They don't have that. And that Adam Larson deal. Mm-hmm. It was a head scratcher then, and now it's a bigger head scratcher now. He doesn't even play games. He's he's always injured, and when he's playing, he's not the best defenseman on their team. It's actually not a head scratcher anymore. It was a head scratcher then. Now it's just like, oh man, like like, like poor one out for <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Taylor Hall goes and wins an MVP, and mind you, Taylor Hall's he's got issues of his own, but yeah, Taylor he, Hall not the perfect player, but hey, would he be good on the left wing with Connor McDavid? Just do you think so? Even Everly. Yeah. Even, even, they got rid of Everly, who's doing yeah. stuff in New York Islanders. Shout out to them in the second round. I think Everly and Taylor Hall are two players that this team may need right now. And what, what, what Ryan Strom is what they got for Everly. You make that trade with, with the Islanders, you move Everly, and you don't give him a shot. He was there for one year. The next year he played 18 games, he got packed your, packed your shit and went to uh, New York Rangers. And he's playing pretty well on the Rangers now. Mm-hmm. If you're going to make a trade like that, give him an opportunity. Give him a year or three. Give him at least three, I well, would say. I think there's a really um, poignant comparison between Strom and then and now Athanasiu. He's up. He's an RFA. Takes $3 million to qualify him. He has arbitration rights. I don't know if you knew this, but there's something called the walkaway price in uh, un- under the CBA. Do you know this? No. Okay, so if you're if the arbitrator awards um, a player or a team, I mean, like, but awards a price that is under a certain preset amount, then the team can't walk away from that award, and they have to sign the player. Interesting. That price is four point four four point one four million dollars. This year. So that begs the question. If negotiations go bad, say Holland Holland can decide, like the Oilers can decide to qualify Athens CU for $3 million. But if they ask for, at a max, $4.14 million, and I don't see why they wouldn't necessarily, they have to sign him to that. And my question is, what do you do? What do you do if you're Ken Holland with him? Because he was atrocious. Minus 46. I don't put a lot of value in plus minus but sometimes it sometimes is insightful minus 46 and you're in a detroit squad you score 30 goals but you got to remember he's playing top line minutes he's the go-to guy to score goals the owners are probably looking at that stat line saying oh he's going to come into our, our team and score 30 goals with us that's just not how it works there's i'm going to bring back a basketball term because i think front offices would do well to kind of gain insights from other sports as well. I think there's parallels. Um, something in basketball, good stats, bad team guy. I think it could be used for hockey as well. And I think Andrea Athasiu is kind of like that. Also, another flashy guy, high speed. Speed will always get you noticed. Yeah, that's, uh, it seems like one uh, skill. If you have it, you'll at least yeah. get a shot. Also, if you have 30 goals on your resume in a season, that typically will. Like, Yeah, I mean... Now the question is, do the Oilers go that Strom route and trade him away right away? 
or do you give them a shot for a couple of years? It's an interesting situation because they do need depth. Who else are they going to get, right? I think you re- I think you just re-sign them. I think you try to squeeze him as much as possible. You try to uh, get some COVID fear into him. You don't know what the UFA market's going to be like or the, the market in general. Yeah, that's true. I think you try to offer him term, hopefully a lower AAV, hope for a better return um, on your investment because, look, you can't give up two second-round picks, especially a team like the Oilers who have drafted poorly and need cheap talent and uh, to infuse their roster. You can't give up two second-round picks for nine games and two points. Okay. I think you re-sign him. I'm almost certain uh, that he'd do better than that. And... Um, Worst case scenario, he's still a young guy. You could probably trade him eventually to a team if he really doesn't work out. But I don't know. I think he's better than your other options. How about uh, bringing Taylor Hall back? UFA? UFA? Not going to happen because Taylor Hall is going to ask for more money. Um, Actually, that'll lead us to another team we should talk about. Montreal. I think Taylor Hall, and this is not just me. I think a lot of people would say this. I think Taylor Hall is primed to be the top target for Montreal this offseason. I can see that. I still don't think that they should have won um, those bubble playing games because they had it set out for them, that first overall pick. They should have just scrapped okay. it. So some unintentional comedy here. Um, and for the Quebec listeners out here, um, although I'm not a fan of Montreal, I do want to objectively analyze your team. And I felt kind of bad to think about like, out of all years, when was the last time that the Canadians had a French-Canadian star? I guess, what, but other than that, like, last forward. Just the top of my head, Guy Lafleur. It's probably him, yeah. It was probably Guy Lafleur. We're, we're, um, we're talking 40 years, maybe. Like, a long time. Um, and obviously, that was the bedrock of their, um, of their dynasties, right? French Canadian stars. And so here comes along this opportunity to get Alexis Lafreniere, amazing French Canadian star out of Ramouski. And what do they do? Mediocre team all year out of nowhere. Heroic effort. Good for price, by the way, but heroic effort beating the much better Pittsburgh Penguins and you have to thank the hockey gods that they did not pull Pittsburgh's uh, ping pong ball out of that uh, out of that lottery because it would there probably would have been riots in Montreal. It was it was it was rigged for the Rangers anyways. The the Rangers ball was heavy. That's <laughs> ob- that's obvious with the drop that occurred. Yeah, I heard I heard those um those rumors that it was heavy, but I don't believe that. I don't mind that he went to the Rangers. Yeah, that's honestly the if you want to make noise and the NHL wants to make noise in America. It's a convenient spot, for sure, but I don't believe in uh, those those conspiracy theories. Although, one note on the lottery, why did Gary Bettman have to confirm that that was the logo? Yes, that's the Rangers ball. That is the Rangers. Oh, shit, let's drop the ball. (laughs) Could you imagine if he didn't know the logos? Um, (laughs) He just couldn't see them or something. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's lucky for the Habs that it did not turn up Pittsburgh, because to think that, like, 
You had this opportunity. All you had to do was to valiantly lose against Pittsburgh. No one would have complained. They shouldn't have even be, They were they not even close no. to the playoffs. Pittsburgh was a great team. The Habs are going to miss the playoffs. They would have had a shot at him in the lottery. They wouldn't have had a one and eight shot at him, and yeah. they had an opportunity to had they just lost to do it. And <laughs> instead, they win, and then they just summarily lose in the first round anyway, which was expected. But my God, if Lafreniere went to Pittsburgh, the Ramuski star star to play with the la- the last Ramuski star before him. Like, it just would have been too perfect. But thank God that didn't happen because I don't even want to deal with yeah. the vitriol and hate that would have <laughs> happened in that market. But the Habs doesn't change the fact that they're still stuck in the middle. If you look at their division, not as good as Boston, not as good as Tampa, and they're not as good as Toronto, even though Toronto is like not that good. They're not as good as them. They need a lot of development from their prospects and young players. Um... Nick Suzuki, he's a promising player, but I don't think that he's like a star. I think he projects as a number two center, like a playmate, a scoring playmaking center. Kakinyemi, I think he projects as a number two two-way center. He had a really disappointing season, but I still believe in him. He's young. Phenomenal play-in series, though. Yeah. He just... Um... I know for sure Habs fans, although throughout through the through the season, they had hope for Kotkanemi, but uh, that play-in series, their their hopes of what he can do in the future kind of came true. They they saw the vision of what he could do. But think about the sample sizes. It right? might like, get irrational though. That's what I was gonna get to. Like it might be now. It's just like, oh, did you see how he played in the play-in series? That's who he's going to be, and when he doesn't become that, if he doesn't become that. There's gonna be a huge disappointment. I, I I agree with you. I think he's a he's a second line guy. He scored eight points this year. In thirty six games. How many in the play out play in series? I'm pretty sure he had four goals. He had a good series. I know that. Um, but again, small sample size. Yeah. So. Well, no assists. He's supposed to be a playmaker, so that's kind of weird. But he had four goals. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that look, they still don't have enough. They have some nice pieces. I like Domi. I like Drouin. I like Kakanyemi. I like Suzuki. I like Weber. He's on a bad contract. Jeff Petrie. Like, I mean, how many more years does Jeff Petrie have? They're eventually going to have to re-sign him. Uh, Price. He's uh, he's on a bad contract. As much as it pains me to say, I like Price. Yeah. But he's on a bad contract. That hurts. Um, Actually, so I subscribe to The Athletic, and they have this thing on their running advanced statistical analyses on... um uh goalies basically it was your your salary cap hit versus your uh save percentage and a correlation between the two there is zero zero correlation between how much a goalie makes and how high their save percentage is if you look at the scatter plot it's everywhere yeah which goes back to the old phrase goaltending is voodoo yeah signing goaltenders to high prices is a fool's errand so Bobrovsky like, for $10 million exactly. doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, <laughs> Carey Price and Bobrovsky looked like home runs. If you're going to sign a goaltender, any goaltender, to a high, high uh, contract, it would have been them. And look what happened. 
I mean, I still think they look were, what happened. Stole I mean, a series and uh, lost them the chance at Lafreniere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what Carey Price well, did. Basically. I still think Carey Price has good seasons ahead of him. Yeah, but it's not as consistent, and you really don't like that price. Yeah, he's getting up there, right? He's I'm like, not uh, intended by that, but the point is, look, like the Leafs and Oilers, the flat cap doesn't help them. They have some really tough decisions, and where is the talent going to come from? I, I do I do like the structure of their team. Like I think Nick Suzuki, Suzuki played really well. Mm-hmm. I think they have a much more traditional structure. It's not. It's much more balanced. So yeah. at least they're you pesky. Can, they're they're yeah. they're they're a feisty team. Even like Thomas Tatar. Thomas Tatar is a hardworking player. They I like Thomas of, Tatar. He's been good. He's yeah. been a good NHL player for a long time. And he's a hard worker, right? And then mm-hmm. you have Max Domi, who's a hard worker. And Max Domi doesn't take no shit. I love Max Domi. Exactly. I love his. It'll be like, interesting to see what his contract's going to look like. But the Leafs. Uh, I mean, to bring it back quickly, the Leafs. They need a guy like him. Yeah. They need a guy who like, like Kadri or Domi. <laughs> yeah. They need a guy like Kadri. Oh man, wish we had him. Oops. Um, they need guys who aren't. Like, aren't going to take shit. The Habs are more tenacious than the Leafs yeah. are. And I think that showed in the playing series. Um, obviously, I think they don't have that top-end, high-level talent up front. That is what they're missing. Yeah, they have a lot of tenacity. They kind of have what we don't have, and mm-hmm. they don't have what we have type That's of a, situation. It's a rudimentary way to put it, but it's also, like, the right way to put it. Yeah. Um, I think they need... Ex- one, I think they need excitement in that market. Um... I think they need either a young stud D, like a Kyle McCarr, or that upfront presence. Did you know that on that, so you know how the lottery balls work in the, the Austin Matthews draft, when it came down to the last ball, because they all have a bunch of uh, combinations, the Habs had the best chance at that point when it came down to the last ball at getting Austin Matthews. The Leafs had actually not that high a chance, but it came up the least number. Habs came very, very close to getting Austin Matthews. And I'm sure a lot of Habs fans know that, and I think it pains them (laughs) when they hear that. But they're missing that guy. And I'm worried of what Bergevin might do from a Habs perspective because beware of a GM who thinks he's doing things for his job. Yeah. He's been on the hot seat for a while. But look, if if they take another step back... I mean, he was lucky they made the playoffs this year because of the, uh, from a performance perspective, I suppose, because of COVID and everything. They take another step back next year. He might not be around, and he may be very cognizant of that. And I'd be wary of what he can do with some cap money and some desperation. I think they were hoping that Joanne was going to be that French-Canadian star for them, that guy up front that's going to... They definitely score were. 40 goals and get 50 assists. They're hoping for that. That was their their skill play because they got rid of a good player in Michael Strugachev there. And it's uh, Mikhail. But Mikhail Strugachev. Yeah, but, you have to uh, say it with like a Russian accent. Yeah, Mikhail. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I think teams in the future should just realize if Steve Eisman doesn't like a guy, it's probably for a good reason. I would consider him a solid second line player. Yeah. He's not a star though. They have a team. They have, like, a team full of second-line guys. That's basically how I put it. Is there a point where, what do you do with Carey Price? I think, he just plays be... a, I think he just plays up the string. I think he becomes a legend there. Like, just retire the number. For 2025, we're talking if we have a flat cap for three years. 
That's a projection. Well, you're not trading are, it. You're not trading it. The right? projections are two to three years. And look, their their highest paid forward is Drew N at five point five mil. Mm-hmm. How do you bring someone else in when you have Carey Price at ten? You got Shea Weber at seven. Well, the Shea eight. Weber contract is a real problem. I think. That's eighteen Both, million. Yeah. We 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 talk a lot about Marner and Matthews and Nylander and Tavares. The Habs have Price Weber. They're a little bit better than us. But that's $18 million in two aging players. Yeah. Um, they panicked with the Subban trade. He was coming up to a point where if they didn't trade him at a certain point, he was going to have a no-trade clause. They panicked, and they did it. I mean, not that Subban has been, like, wrapping himself in glory other than the first two years with Nashville where they were really good, but I'd rather have Subban at his number on a shorter term than Weber at his number at a longer term when Subban's already younger. But, um, look, finish off in the halves and just, like, they need a star. I think they're looking for a star. Um, and I'm afraid they may overpay for a star. But we'll see. I think Taylor Hall is just going to take the most money. I think that's what he's going to do. Yeah, he's uh, he seems like that kind of guy, so. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you got him, you're going to have great lottery luck, so. We've gone on a little bit about the postmortems on some of these teams. Um, do you want to talk about the Flames really quickly? Yeah, sure. Um, good team. Another disappointing season. What do you think happens to them? It's the Goudreau show. That's what it is. It's uh... Well, that's another thing. Like it's, it's just like the lease with Marner and Nylander. Why are you trading one of your best players? He's on a pretty good contract, even though he had the worst full year of his career. Um, so... Do you think it's worth it to trade him, even though he's had, like, obviously he's had some disappointing playoff series? Look, it was an off year for Goudreau, but I think it's one of those situations where you're just looking around and trying to find blame. What's wrong with this team? And I think, I don't know if the fans are saying it's Goudreau, but the media definitely is. And look, this guy had 99 points last year. He I, think, had... I think the fans and media kind of drum up each other. I think yeah. it kind of works as a cycle, but go on. Yeah, like $6.75 million a year. You have him signed until the uh, 2021-22 season. And look, this team, it it wasn't a team that you thought was going to be a cup contender. If you're looking back last year, you didn't think they were going to be a cup contender this quick. And then there was a little bit of talk about them maybe having that chance. They had a really good year last year. Exactly, right? So... I, I feel like they're they're progressing pretty well. I think they're doing a lot better than people thought they would be doing. And you have Kachuk that's, I think he's one of the best players in the league in, in terms of what he does and what he brings to the table. I love Matthew Kachuk. I think he's the per- he's he, a lot of people uh, dislike his antics and what he does, but th- that's kind of the stuff you need to do. He doesn't, uh, yeah, some would argue he does cross the line, but he, he does it within the realm of the rules of the game. He's, um look, he's one of those guys, and I love these types of guys. I mean, you love them when you have them, and you hate them if he's against you. Marchand, I mean, Darcy Tucker, for example, on the Leafs. Yeah. Quickly on uh, Kachuk. Do you do that on purpose with Shifley? I don't know. I don't know. See, like, I don't think he did it on purpose. Um, it would be brutal if he did try to do that on purpose. Like, I don't think anyone would intentionally try, try to cut someone's... Do you think the Flames pull uh, senders with Matt Cook on Carlson and get, like, a forensic uh, investigation that on would, that stuff? No, we don't have Eugene Melnick here, <laughs> so... Eugene Melnick would definitely do that. Maybe he's doing it on his own just mm-hmm. to find some sort of precedent with his Carlson situation. He's probably still hung up on that. But look, just looking at the Flames roster, they're pretty 
they look like a very balanced squad. You got Mark Giordano at the back. You got Noah Hannafin. You got TJ Brody, who isn't playing as good as isn't TJ Brody was. free agent? Yeah, he is. He is. Um, so look like likely leaving too. Likely leaving, yeah. Even like Travis Hamanick, I think, is leaving as well. He's also UFA. He's definitely leaving. So He's been have, disappointing for them. Yeah, you have four unrestricted free agents on the back end on that squad. So there's, mm-hmm. so there's going to be a revamping on that back end. Do you really want to make all those changes on a team that's kind of doing pretty well? Like they're Vancouver's a surprise team, but you would probably objectively say that Calgary is probably the best Canadian team right now. I don't know if I'd say that, but honestly, Who's I better? don't think they're just all bad. I get that, but no, they're, well, they're not all bad. <laughs> I think they're all like mediocre to yeah, like slightly above satisfactory mediocre. Team. Like, look, hockey is a weak link sport, right? Um, where it's not like basketball where your best player can basically lead you to victory to a certain extent. Hockey is like, what's your weakness? That might fuck you. Um, you need to have a really balanced team. Uh, I think a lot of the Canadian teams, Leafs, Flames, Habs, even Vancouver, even though they went the furthest this year, the Jets, I think they're all like just solid teams that when they have good years can make it to a second round conference finals, but they're all missing pieces. But the thing is, when you have time, use it. Johnny Goudreau signed for two more years. That's still a very good price. I would be reticent to trade him for like four quarters for a dollar type deal. Yeah. Because um, he's still tremendously skilled. And then you have to go into the... You have to ask the question, did you face the wrong team at the wrong time? Dallas is a really good team. Yeah. Look what they're doing at the Colorado ass. last year, a really good team. And then you might come back to me and say, like, yo, Chris, like, that last game against Dallas was fucking horseshit. Yeah. That was a tire fire. And I agree. Um, maybe it's a leadership void, although I'm not sure if it is. But I, I don't know. They, I don't know. But they keeled over in that last game. That was ridiculous how that ran away from them. 3 nothing lead to 7-3. But I don't... Th- I'm always the type of person, like... The answer is almost never trade your stars because you're angry. Um, I think this is the team that shouldn't do too much. I think you got. I think you you've revamped the defense uh, defenseman a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think their forwards are pretty pretty good. You got Elias Lindholm. Would you trade a guy like Sam Bennett, who's been even Sam Bennett? Like I think he's pretty good at two point five. He's disappointing as the fourth overall pick, but yeah, if you, you forget if you that, forget though. that, then he's still yeah, he's like a tenacious guy. He yeah. tries hard. He's defensive. He's competitive. Competitive. Uh, he had I a think, really good playoff series against Dallas, and he has led that them ability. in scoring. Actually, I think yeah, I think that's what's kind of uh, missing from some teams having that third, fourth line guy that can put up some goals sometimes because he has some offensive flair. Mm-hmm. It doesn't show up consistently, but there's games where Sam Bennett can score a hat trick. Yeah, that you offensive I mean? flair showed a lot during his draft year. Dylan Dubé, <laughs> Dylan Dubé is pretty a, good as well. Like Had himself a playoffs. player. So then you look at that team and you're like, Milan Lucic was starting to have like a, everyone was turning on him again. Like, oh, he's actually good now. He and then all of a sudden... He works for them, I think. Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't. Re- I'm not a fan of his his contract. Obviously, like it's bad, but he was useful for them this year. If you forget the number, yeah, I think it's uh, one of those things where he's overpaid. He can't do anything about it. Like that Luongo quote, like my contract just sucks. He can't do anything about it. And I think good Lucic, for them. He had a chance this 
If series. I was an NHL player, I would dream to be a guy with a bad contract. That means you're winning. Like, yeah. maybe not in hockey, but in life. <laughs> you're getting paid well. Uh, yeah, we'll give that to Lucic. But, uh, <laughs> he, already, he already has his chip. He's he had fine. A, he had a chance. He, yeah. Truthfully, he had a chance to kind of showcase what he's all about, and he had that ability to finally get that monkey off his back as a player that's looked down upon. Right. But then he messed up that last game. Yeah. He got bad penalties, two bad penalties that got Dallas to two goals, and they flipped the game upside down. Yeah. He was finally getting it there and just failed to convert on changing his perspective. Well, that's the thing about these guys, these like physical power forward types who score a bit, but they're also kind of uh, tenacious. Once the skills drop, I mean, they these guys all want to be useful, right? Then you maybe cross the line too much, and suddenly you're taking bad penalties, and then you look. Put your I, team I, hate, the ball. I, I hate to bring the Leafs up like all the time, but when no, you don't. You when, love it. <laughs> when we when we used to play the Boston Bruins, the player that I was scared of was Milan Lucic. Oh yeah, like that's how scary he was. You thought when he signed with the Oilers that that's the player that they need, and then it just didn't work out. And then you you, you he goes to the Flames, and it's just like maybe he just needed a change of scenery. And it's not kind of working out there. No. But. Well, that's the thing about those power forwards, right? I mean, like, you've seen this before, but these guys, when they're young, they're great, obviously, but they take a lot of bumps and bruises, and then it just seems they don't age well. Their body just kind of, like, starts. Just slow. Yeah, shutting down. Um, Okay, that's enough on the Flames. I think we both agree they should probably stand pat for the most part, reassess, um, and go from there. Uh, I mean, if Goudreau has another 99-point season, suddenly you're thinking a lot you're thinking about him a lot differently um let's really quickly touch on the jets and i guess the Sens as well anything to we're missing the canucks who's well we're gonna get into that because we're gonna start talking about the second round okay um jets should they stay put i mean that team is that that team is the weirdest team for me because just two years ago they were canada's favorite really you thought uh, you had Blake great, Wheeler. Great, great fans, by the way. I went to a Jets game when I was in Winnipeg. So fun. Yeah, that, that whiteout situation. Yeah. Yeah, it looks great on TV, too. And you had you had those great leaders on that team, like Mark Shifley. Such Blake a Wheeler great, is a great leader. Yeah, Blake yeah. Wheeler and Mark Shifley were just both these, what you want in, in a leader on your team. Either, either or. Mm-hmm. And they had both. And then you had Kyle Connor having a great season. So you got wrapped that up. But then where's Patrick Laine? Actually, okay, so here's a quick question for you. If you had to choose between Laine and Connor, who would you rather have? I think now you take Connor. I think Connor too. Laine floats. Yeah. He floats in and out of the game. He's one of those guys where like you don't notice him for four games and then like he'll score a hat trick. Breaking shot, yeah. And then he'll score a hat trick the next game. Um I don't think he skates well enough. Like to be a true superstar, he's great. I mean, I'm just saying, like, if I'm nitpicking here, I really like Connor's game. I think he's a really good player. Um, and I think they have a lot of really good players. It's just so happens that this team got really hurt by losing Tyler Myers, Dustin Bufflin out of nowhere. Yeah, that's um, the big one. Gone. Jacob Truba is gone. They just took a lot of hits. I think they're going to stay put, though, because their GM is, if anything, but patient. I mean... I think it took three years before Kevin Sheveldayoff even made a single trade. Yeah. <laughs> they don't do much. They don't do much. But I think you just keep trying to build it. I think eventually, like, long-term, I don't think Line is... Uh, I don't think Line stays long in Winnipeg. I don't think he's... I think he's used as a trade tip, chip, but that's for another story. I think they keep it as is. 
keep they're, trying to build the farm at, system. Uh, they're set in the goalie yeah. aspect. Try to Alibaka build around good. the edges, maybe out of defense more too. Um, I like Josh Morrissey, but, I mean, they took some hits on the blue line. Who's who's their second defenseman? Dmitry Kulikov? Yeah, that's not good. That's not know. good enough, Maybe right? try to get some That's value. what it is. It's the Tyler Myers. It's the Dustin Bufflin. Try that's... to get some value deals on the UFA market. I mean, like a Chris Tanev or something. I don't know, although a lot of guys will go after them. This is one of those things, actually, in the UFA market. Everyone talks about Chris Tanner, Everyone though. talks about it's like, oh, maybe we'll get a good deal on these guys, and they talk the same names. Guarantee you, every team is going to try to get the deals on guys like Chris Tanev. Next thing you know, you're not getting a deal on him. Um, okay, that's enough about the Jets. I think they just they will and should stay pat, stand pat. Often the best course of action is just to wait and see. The Sens, they're in a good spot, number three and number five in the draft. Um spunky team low cap hits full except flexibility for, and promise bobby ryan. sorry <laughs> except for uh, bobby ryan over but at there. least now they can eat that because yeah. i mean everyone else is on low deals um curious to see what they give matthew kachuk to uh i mean brady kachuk brady. um another guy i like <laughs> um because their mo right now is um uh, sign guys to long-term deals right away yeah. Um, but not as much as what the Leafs are giving their players. Um, they remind me of... I keep going back to the Leafs. I'm sorry. But uh, they remind me of that uh, that two years prior to the Austin Matthews draft year. when they, They're better than that. Yeah, I think Brady Kachuk is a huge player. Like, I think he's going really good. to be... Who's better? Ma- who's going to be better, Matthew or Brady? I think Brady might be better. As a, as a point-getter, perhaps maybe not the... The, the antics and I would love to see them on the same team. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're the same type of player, but they Chuck, are. Uh, Brady has a little bit more of a, a finishing touch around the net, and he's kind Matthew's of he's got some good finish though. He's got they're really good sim- hands. They're pretty similar. They're they pretty are similar. Their dad he, taught them well. Brady's a little bit more. He's like he's more of a net finisher, like a grungy dude. Well, Ma- mm-hmm. I think Matthew Kachuk has a little bit more skill, but I think Brady's gonna have that better career in terms of points right. and all that so right okay let's get off the um the teams that aren't playing the canadian teams let's go uh to the second round now um because there's obviously one canadian team that is still playing so let's start with them um we'll run through the series quick because obviously they're not done um vancouver versus uh, uh vegas thoughts so far how do you see it going my pick for for the cup this year is the golden knights so I think uh, big statement game from the Canucks game yeah. two. They what were a, okay. What a, what a big statement game! I mean, they got pumped in game one, and that was kind of like, I mean, the Golden Knights are a veteran team. They got some really good players there: Mark Stone, Max, pa- Max Pacioretty, who's having a good time in Vegas since he left the Habs. Um, I mean, Vegas is a big team. Like Ryan Reeves, even though he doesn't score, he works so well for them. Um, Canucks got intimidated. Game one. I mean, it's a big stage. They haven't been there before. They lost 5 nothing. Come back with a big game to win. Elias I like Pedersen. I like Huge. their team. Vancouver's a really good team. Um, I still think Vegas is better. This is so uh, promising for Vancouver. Great step forward, but I think this is probably where it ends. But, it, I don't but know. it's hockey. Like, you wouldn't be I don't, surprised. I, don't, I, I think they're going to take it. I think they're going to take it far. I think well, they can't, uh, if you think Vegas is going to no, I win. Think they're, no, I think they're going to take it far in, in the series. I oh, think yeah, gonna, I can see. Th- they're going to take it to game seven, I think. Yeah. 
And I think this is going to be one of those situations where the Golden Knights win the cup and Vancouver is going to be like, we took this team to game seven. So they're going to be like the 76ers. Yeah, they're t- <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. I want, Mark I want Stone's little... going to be there quiet. They're yeah. going to, he's going to score a couple of goals. I liked where you're going with that prediction. I wish you just like, I wanted you to go a little extra with it. Like they're going to take him to game seven. It's going to go to quadruple overtime. <laughs> and... Yeah, I'm taking my Nostradamus hat <laughs> yeah. on right now. But I think this team showed that they have fight in them. They have spirit. When you lose and get that pounding, it's 5 nothing, I believe. And the next game you come out and you pound them. Yeah. That shows me that they have the ability to take this series yeah. far. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs players, take note, that is resilience. Exactly. That's resilience. And we're talking about a team that Bo Horvat just has grown into this perfect leader. Great player. He, he was, he's like the, the, the perfect molding of a player you want to progress in your system. Just how he has grown into that, that captain role as well. Perfect player. He's the perfect captain, I think, for that team. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, Elias Pettersson. You have your high-end skill. Yeah. And he's he, he's good defensively as well. Power play, like, extraordinaire. Like, that that uh, from the, uh, I guess it's the right hash mark. One-timer. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, my God. And Quinn Hughes, so exciting. Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes is that X-factor player for yeah. them. He's the guy that, look, when they drafted Quinn Hughes, he was, he was highly touted. But of course. who knew that he's going to be one of the best defensemen in the game already? Yeah. He's well, that I good. Mean, Cal McCarr gets a lot of, obviously, uh, um, pub for yeah. being on a really good team in Colorado. He's a really good player. Quinn Hughes is not that far from Oh, Cam. not far at um, all. And I find it funny where like, the game plan against Quinn, not to not to bring a Gretzky comparison, but like with these small guys, like with Gretzky when he was young, I was like, oh, just hit him. Well, you can't fucking hit him. He's yeah. too good. Same thing with Quinn on the back end. Like, oh, just run him. You're not going to hit him. Slippery he's too player. shifty. Yeah. He's too smart. He sees you coming. Like, he's... The puck is on his stick and off his stick right away. If there's not an outlet pass, he's skating it out. He has everything. He's going to be really good. He's a future stud. And um, you, you know what the Canucks have that a lot of teams are missing? You got Elias Patterson. You you have Bo Horvat. Then you have someone that's super interesting, like Brock Besser, who's this player that you thought was going to be the top player on the team he was scoring 30 goals this first year and then all of a sudden he becomes more of a role player he's that guy that's like a scores big goals but isn't a complete player but he's that perfect supplementary player kind of like jvr a little kind of like jvr and then you have jt miller who's a hard-working player that's just grungy defensive competitive feisty scores those goals around the net and he's scoring some good goals just mm-hmm. highly skilled goals too and then you have someone like Tanner Pearson, too. Yeah, This team is just full of depth. Well, it comes down to something called team building. It's not all about the stats. Like, yeah. It's about personalities and playing styles, meshing together well. And Vancouver's found a really, really good uh, combination. Unfortunately, they're against a team that is bigger, stronger, really likely good. better, veteran-laden, but in the sense that like these veterans are still in their prime to late prime. Golden State, I'm Golden State, Golden Knights. Um, I think they just, I think they take the series. Um, but it's going to be a good one. Moving forward, I'm going to go to my favorite series right now Colorado versus Dallas. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, growing up, I was a, a, a huge Peter Forsberg fan. 
and a Patrick Waugh fan, so I would follow uh, Colorado a lot. And that Colorado-Dallas series is like a classic. Like yeah. They always went back and forth with, e- with each other. So Speaking this series of Patrick is awesome. Waugh, I miss goalies that hot dog. I want some like, yeah. I want to see a goalie get a glove save, and then put ax- it in your face, and, and then let you know. drop it and let Fedorov score on you. Yeah, uh, yeah that you too. need that. Unintentional comedy, but I like a, a goalie that puffs his chest out too, you know? I think big win by the Abs yesterday. Huge win. They almost blew it though. I mean, yeah. Dallas is giving them a lot of problems. Radulov is going, like, he has been a problem for them. Um, but. Colorado has McKinnon. I mean, the guy, you talk about McDavid, but the guy might be the best player in the league. Yeah. He might be. He Probably not, but, I mean, he's right up there. Definitely he's right close, up there. Definitely close. He is sure. electric, and he is playing so determined right now. Um, talk about good leaders. I mean, he is a great leader. So is Gabriel, La- Gabriel Landeskog. Um, this is a heavyweight matchup. I think... Um, Despite I like the Golden Knights, I think the winner of this series is going to the cup final. Yeah, fair enough. Definitely possible. I think uh, very well-built well built squads. And they both these teams have everything. You have even like Miko Rantanen on the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. Playing phenomenal. Then you have Kadri. Miko Rantanen would be the best player on like 28 teams. Exactly. He just so happens to be on one of the teams where he's playing with a better one, and that is Amazing. And also, Nazem Kadri is doing incredible things for them. Really Perfect could use him on the Leafs. He's like Tyler Bozak 2.0 situation over here. Like, goes to a new team and then suddenly could win a cup. And for the Stars, how about Heiskanen? Heiskanen is he's playing lights out. Like, uh, I think he's, uh, he's the best defenseman in the series. He's just. He's another phenom- guy. Like, you talk about Quinn Hughes, Cal McCarr, and Miro Heiskanen, right there. Exactly. Just right there. Right there. The, you're the talking side. about like next generation of future like star defensemen. Those are three names right there. And then you have uh, Pavalski, who wasn't playing too well during the season, just showing up like he used to for the Sharks. He just he's that competitive spirit as well. It, it's the same pattern. Yeah. All these good teams have competitive guys at the top end yeah. that are feisty, and that's why I like Calgary because Calgary has that too. And Dallas has that as well. Jamie Benn is just this grungy forward. Yeah. Joel Pavalski is that grungy guy as well. Radulov, probably one of the most grungiest Russians in the league. And then you have Corey Perry, too, at the bottom end there. Like He's not playing as well as the others, but he's still that edgy player. Corey Perry still likes to mix it up. Exactly. Um, there's a reason why guys are winners. Joe Pavelski, guy's a winner. Plays winning hockey. Goes the dirty areas. Not afraid to get hit, to make a play. Not afraid to get hurt. Um, the Sharks really missed him this year. I mean, they were also banged up like crazy, but they missed him. Um, great signing by the Stars. He's working out exactly like they thought, like they hoped. Um, come up big in the playoffs, and he has. Yeah. Um, I think this game. I think the series goes seven, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes down to like another heartbreaking situation, like a Pat Maroon with the Blues. I think this is uh I think both teams are balanced and competitive up front. It can go either way, but it's going to be down to the goaltending. We'll go to my like least interesting series. We can just talk about it really quickly. Um talk about Flyers versus Islanders. Ah. Uh, I think the we winner don't of this need him. 
I think yeah. we don't need him. I mean, I guess it's true now, eh? Well, talk about like not a good look for the Leafs, where Lou Lamorello goes to the Islanders, builds a team that is the antithesis <laughs> of what the Leafs would want, and literally Another taking our grungy team, uh, literally taking our retreads and Matt Martin and uh, um, uh, oh Komarov, yeah, Leo Uncle, Komarov, Uncle um, Leo. and yet they're succeeding in playoff hockey um and also in the regular season i mean they're pretty good i really don't have too much to say about the series the teams don't interest me i think either team that wins the series is fodder for um the more interesting east series which is boston versus the lightning i would be shocked if the islanders or flyers the winner of the series was in the finals i mean like all capitals shocked they're good teams but they're not that good the bracket broke right. I for mean, them. bet three six five, and these betting giants actually have Flyers as the top team to win the cup. Carter Hart's playing really well. They have some good players. I just I would disagree. Yeah, I would bet. I enough. would hammer the the other side on that. Yeah, I think uh, Golden Knights, baby, let's go. Um, okay, last series, um, Lightning Bruins, thoughts. I think this is. Uh, this is where it's it's a highly skilled matchup. I think Tampa is having their way with the Bruins right now. I think the Bruins are starting to get a little aged. This Daniel Charles at the back end isn't looking as good. They're also and missing I, their goalie. They're missing their goalie as well. That's true, but Halak, he's a good goalie. He's also ni- it's always it's always nicer to have Halak as your uh, um, contingency plan. Exactly. Um, and a guy who can come in when maybe your starter isn't playing well, give him a, a rest than when he now literally is your starter. Do you remember when uh, Halak made a name in this league? With the Habs. With the Habs, that playoff run, when uh, I think Carey Price was down with an injury. Yeah, like, played amazing. He, I forget what year, but I remember. Yeah, the, he yeah. has the ability to do that. And he can get hot. He's a good he goalie. Can get, he can get hot. He's an overqualified backup. He'd be a starter in a lot of leagues. I don't think he can play as many games. I mean, he's just getting up in there in age. He's more of a tandem guy. But good goalie, this... Bruins aren't done though. They're competitive. I mean, yeah, they have the the worst record per se in the playoffs. They've lost six times already, so they're yeah. kind of just getting by. I think this is Tampa Bay, like for sure. No well, doubt you know about what it. Tampa Bay's doing? They're playing hard. I think they really took, like they took that Columbus loss last year to heart, and they're coming back a lot scrappier. Like last night, who was it? Kalorn got in yeah. a fight with a uh, Tory Krug, right? Yeah, yeah, like. They're not backing down. Like, the Bruins aren't intimidating them, which mm-hmm. is what the Bruins could do to the Leafs, for example. When's but the last time you've seen the Bruins get killed like that, though? 7-1. It's rare, but look, they're coming. They're going to come back strong. They're a prideful team. They're a really good team. The series isn't over. It's going to go deep. I think it's a seven-game series. Um, I think this one is uh, the end of the Bruins' reign. I'm calling five games. that's some heat that's some hot take right there (laughs) i I don't think think it's the end of the bruins reign though i I think they'll just come back next year and are not losing in this series well i think the lightning are win the stanley cup oh yeah true i think they are going to win the cup i thought i think i think colorado or dallas is going to make the finals but i think lightning i think this is their year okay um okay so i mean i think we touched on everything we want to i got nothing else to say yeah i think that's it it's gonna be an exciting 
rest of the playoffs here, and uh, we'll see whose predictions uh, come true. I think uh, it's Golden Knights. We're, we're winning the cup there. I'm a bandwagon Golden Knights fan now, so it's going to be a fun ride. <laughs> well, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be some good hockey. Anyway, thanks a lot, Karn. Yeah, cheers.